Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Comics Experience Graphic Novel of the Month Club Kids Edition, the best edition. I love the Kids Club um, for October of 2023, uh, if you're sometime in the future. Hi, welcome. We've got a really, really, really good book this month, and it's it's a great book for October, too, because it's, it's nicely spooky and, and all that. Um, and it is this right here. It is Thank You, uh, by Ben Hack. And Ben is right there. Well, he's not right there. <laughs> Hi. Professional show business. Love it. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, welcome, Ben. How are you, man? I'm, I'm good. The, uh, I was sitting here ready, uh, ready to come on, and the wind blew my studio door open, and oh, it, was, okay. it was banging in this October wind, so I, I rushed off to close that. Um, no otherwise, I'm doing great. Good morning. Excellent. Yeah. Great book, man. I, I really, I thought that this book was both like it had a lot of heart and a lot of soul and a lot of action, but it's also really smart about, um, sort of art history, mythology. And, and the part that's beautiful about it, in my opinion, is that it's not, it's not luxury, right? Like, most of the time when it's art history and mythology, it's very like, and here's things that happened. Whereas you just, you just weave it kind of seamlessly into the background. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. That, um, my, my friend, uh, Zach Giolongo, who, who did the coloring for this book, uh, it was really fun because he hadn't seen a lot of it beforehand. He's, he's one of the most fantastic illustrators I know, but he was like, he, uh, we were chatting about it one time and he was like, like halfway through his coloring, he was like, I really like this book because it's like walking around in your brain. Yeah. Um, so so a lot of the stuff in um, a lot of the art history in the book um, is, you know, as Milo journeys down into the basement, you know, in a sense, he's going back through art history, uh, kind of back in time through it all. But it's also like uh, a little bit of it's also like greatest hits for me. Um, the paintings that he comes in, in contact with are, are my just like a list of my favorites from the national gallery uh that i get and the, like the sculpture i just like all my favorite sculptures let's cram them all into one room uh some that some you would know from history and others um friends sculptures you know things like this that that you would maybe never know or or had seen before um so so there's a lot of like 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 uh as well, deeply personal little connections and and bits uh, of of art um, and stuff that's touched my lives in different ways. Like he pulls out the Vitruvian Man at one one point, and it's just like it didn't need to be. It didn't need to speak out in the story so much as just kind of like be there and kind of try to, to en enrich it. And um, definitely a part of the thing, a part of the process that made the book a lot of fun for me personally to kind of draw and put together. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it feels to me like, you know, that that for almost certainly the the audience is probably not going to recognize most of these things right. while they're reading it right now. But 10 years from now, when they come back to the book, they'll be like, oh, <laughs> like get it on a whole different level. Yes. Yeah. That's the hope. That's the hope. And also that, you know, parents will pick up the book and look at it and say like, oh, wait, I, I recognize that. You know, that's, um, you know. Ginevra da Vinci from you know that Leonardo painted or or whatever it is you know uh, uh, little things that they can they can find um, 
so yeah, that's 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 definitely part of it. Uh, also, like uh, more and more as I've been doing storytelling, I I've tried to let me think how to say it. Uh, uh, keep things, keep elements of the story subconscious, like almost not. Like early on, I would um, I was maybe more of an uh, an architect storyteller where I was very very um, anxious about structure and you know like like what everything is and. Like lately, I've been able to, or been more interested in, uh, not questioning too many aspects of the story. Like, like especially visually, letting a lot of things happen visually and just and just let them be and let them be subconscious. Yeah, and uh, maybe find out later, myself find out later what, what why certain things are in there. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me that that seems like a good segue to my formal first question, which is. I, I ask this question of everybody, and it's it's why comics. Uh, you're you're clearly a talented artist. You you know how to tell a story. Um, comics are a very work intensive uh, uh, thing. It, it's not easy to do comics. Um, so, what is it about the form, the medium, that thrills you, that excites you, that gets you up in the morning to go? I can't wait to hit this page and like and do it. Why comics? And it keeps me coming back. Uh, that is a good question because uh, because I've been doing um, more prose work and and finding uh, and really grappling with the differences between that. Right. Um, one thing that uh, because comics is very you're right very labor intensive form of storytelling. But um, yesterday uh, I was at an event at the library of congress in conversation with jerry spinelli who's um he's about like like 80 now and so he's talking he's has all these novels under his belt and we were kind of talking about the difference between prose and comics and uh there is a like the there is a delight in in working with with just words where if you want to change a scene to a rainy day you push backspace 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 and then you just type it in that was a driving rain whatever it is and that that seems so luxurious right to be able to do that to be able to change the whole flavor of a scene with a few keystrokes fine but uh i am such an i'm so excited about uh like gestural storytelling yeah. uh about the idea of body language and being able to use that uh body language is is a a universal language a universal human language so many spoken languages but we all know that like this is what afraid looks like it's universal right and so what i in this conversation yesterday i was like that was the easy part of prose but the hard thing is that in comics with a little bit of body movement i can do this one of my characters could do that yeah and and, and you nail a whole range of emo if you can if you can master that that those those small gestures the big gestures you can get so much storytelling in uh, such a small space so simply um that that's that's one thing that 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 keeps me coming back to comics um yeah. another thing is that uh it's like being able to shoot uh whatever kind of movie you want with no special effect with with not no special but with an unlimited special effects budget right if you want to shoot a scene in outer space um uh if you can draw it you, you that's your but you've got it you know um 
so that's another thing that brings me back. Uh, and also, uh, the, the sort of confluence of, of words and pictures, um, together is, is kind of maybe a sweet spot for me. Um, so my, cause my, my, my dad is an architect and my, my mom is a humongous reader and and was a school teacher. And so she, we always had, like, there were a lot of books and stories in the house growing up. But then with my dad, whenever you'd ask a question, he actually had the pens in his uh, front pocket with with little note cards. <laughs> he was always very uh, comfortable explaining something with a pen and a dr- drawing, right? So very early on, that became sort of a uh, language for me, um, yeah. this idea of, of being able to put your thoughts on on paper in, in terms of drawing. Yeah. Um, so me, the, yeah, me- those, that keeps me coming back. Yeah, let me let me ask a question because you say you, you've been working with pros a lot more lately. Um, it, it, there's a there's a real difference in comics and prose that pros you have to describe everything that's going on. You you can't sure. you can't not show something. Whereas yeah. in comics, I would argue that much of the of the wonder of comics is is in the gutters right? It's, yes. It's yes. Between the panels. So you can show one image and you can have a different image and they don't necessarily have to be, I held your hand to get you from this place to the other. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that is, that is that, that sense of, um, uh, that sense of inference and that sense of like, like audience participation as well audience exactly and this like uh, like i do a lot of school visits and this is one of the like of the three i I share kind of like three pillars of visual storytelling and that is one of them this idea of um this idea of uh, like like storytelling being a relational uh kind of activity and and it's you the storyteller and the audience and they like our brains like to do a bit of the work yeah right and our brains uh, uh part of the pleasure of the reader is and it's a subconscious pleasure. It's not. It's not even a realized pleasure. Is is making these little connections as, as we jump along. And and it this transcends comics. Every time you know a scene switches in a movie and you're not yeah. confused, really the same thing's happening. Um, but comics, you can find you get it right down on the page. And yeah. and and it happens in prose as well. But really, like you, it's so delightfully right there in in the comics medium. And and you can and by putting by juxtaposing strange images one next to another um th- therein lies many of the jokes in comic strips and things sure. like this so yeah. um so yeah that's that's definitely that's definitely another one yeah yeah did you um did you study comics in school illustration in general like what's your what's your background there yeah no my uh, my uh undergraduate i just made comics Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all, all through it all, and my undergraduate was in in history, and it was not a very artsy school. Um, so, so in one way, my my draftsmanship uh, uh, kind of regressed a bit, but at the same time, I think it forced me into a creative space, being like the only person doing this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I did this thing. Uh, well, the story I tell a lot is about um, in the dorm. I did I invented bathroom comics. And that was taping a, an 11 by 17 sheet up in the bathroom and just adding to this story every time I was in there. And it was, that, so my audience was people coming in to use that bathroom yeah. and, and my, uh, 
my pay for that job was hearing laughter coming from the bathroom, right? Because uh, the story got more and more bizarre as it went on. And like sure. uh, my favorite hooded sweatshirt was one of the characters in the story. And <laughs> it was so yeah. crazy. But it was it was a good learning. So like I, it was, it felt so much like, like a waste of time or just like, like blowing off steam or whatever it was, but it was, it, it ended up being a really good learning experience. Yeah. Um, just making these weird comics and entertaining people like, like right there. Um, so that, that was, that was fun. And then, but I did do, I did do, uh, some art training, uh, after college, um, learning, you know, it was actually somebody gave me the manual to Photoshop, uh, towards the end of that, my time at that college, uh, one of the people who worked there was like, you should learn Photoshop. Um, so my, in my, my inroad there was just having the key to this office at night from where the, like the, the school's news, um, mailing list stuff came out and, and this manual for, for like photo, it was probably like Photoshop two, like a really early version of Photoshop. It just going through it and doing all these exercises in the manual and learning that, um, that was one side of the grounding. And then the other was um, years later after I'd been doing some just like freelance design and freelance illustration stuff, um, I, I was able to take a year and go uh, to Italy and study painting. Um, so that was that was a really good experience. That kind of like uh, really, I had hard to explain what it did. It really helped me like get a sense of like seeing and and getting that image down um it was good that was good and 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 do like i sort of built myself a little art history course um while i was doing that and um kind of m merged those two things so yeah. yeah um the the first material that i'm aware that you did comics wise was in flight is that yeah that, that would probably be flight? my those were my first printed comic yeah. stories, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really. And, um, like, like, you know, outside of school newspapers and stuff like that. So that, that was really exciting. That, that, that I owe, I owe most of my comics journey to Kazu Kibuishi, um, yeah. who, who kind of got us all together in the early days on message boards. And it was like, you know, Raina Telgemeier and Vera Brosgol and all of us, we were all posting our stuff, sharing our work. Um, and then it was like, well, let's make a let's make a book. And so I did a few flight stories, and 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 we all still um, run across each other and share stuff and keep up yeah. with what with what we're all doing. And that's that's been a that's been a tremendous. That was that was my finding finding your tribe moment. Um, mm -hmm. So that was that was just that was the gift that keeps on giving. Really. And and how did you how did you find that tribe initially? How how did you? get to those I messages. don't remember you don't remember okay I yeah. don't remember I, uh I I think it was okay well the early on there was Shane Glein's drawing board yeah was was one I, I so probably just poking around on the internet I found the Shane Glein's drawing board message boards started posting my work to there somehow drifted over to the flight message boards started making uh, and then uh, then I, like i don't even remember making internet friends and then um yeah because i just i feel like and i couldn't couldn't be wrong with my remembering of timings on this but i feel like most of the people in particularly the first two volumes of flight 
were people who had already been published in 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 multiple cases yeah yeah and they were part of, they were more heavily part of the um like the mini comics community and the convention scene and stuff like yeah. that and i i was not able to do that and had never been so i was always i was always a little bit envious when i'd see uh or, or you know people talking about co- conventions and stuff like this and be like oh, i wish i could go to those um and so it did it did also felt like a lot of them already knew each other and stuff like that but um but no, yeah, it's just like just. It, but it was also just like a lot of interaction, a lot of online interaction. It was also early days, so there weren't as many of us, I think. Sure. And, um, and yeah, so so when they started putting a book together, they were just like, "Oh, you should." Um, and Cassie just messaged me and was like, "Oh, you should you should do a story for this." Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sounds like what you had been doing before though was primarily strips. Is that is that right? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I had like, um, I mean, during the day, uh, there there was a time period where I was like, il- like illustrating textbooks, actually, and uh, or just doing like whatever whatever freelance work came my way, and um, then online, um, Kazu had been doing his um copper, uh, yep. comics, and he had been talking about how oh you know, um, <laughs> his reasoning behind that. It was not just because it's a good thing to do. It was uh, to like, or my memory of his reasoning for it is that to tell, to tell a story in one page, mm-hmm. right? Like, like sort of a, um, a learning like experience or a comics workout in a way. Um, and so I was like, wow, I'm going to try to do that. And so I um, sort of, uh, I had done like some Z to the space girl stuff before, uh, but I sort of like was like, I'll just do that with with the Zeta comics, try to make and I they actually I, I actually couldn't do it. I they would always bleed over into two or th- pages or something like this. But that's why I started doing web comics um with that. And uh yeah, but the flight comics weren't Zeta, they were just like weird ideas that I had had. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I'm yeah, I am just sort of curious of that sort of evolution from going to single illustrations are doing strips to doing longer form stories you know because yeah well like they're very different muscles to me for sure for sure and i'm i'm shocked that um like i said it was early days i'm shocked that um that in a sense i was handed a book contract for for a long form comic having never produced anything like that before like yeah. maybe like my print work 10 pages <laughs> right 12 yeah. maybe um and it was a particular moment in time when you know uh scholastic had picked up bone and and you know suddenly there there was a call for this stuff and i was getting i was getting uh inquiries from small presses which i don't even remember which ones about the zeta books and then um then i uh asked kazu about it and ended up hooked up with my agent and first second was also just just kind of new on the field yeah and did i i emailed them i put together a pitch mm-hmm. for the book and they were like yeah and uh um yeah that's i i i i i i think i was you know maybe well spoken in my emails and right uh had a uh you know, a freelance career to speak of. Um, 
but yeah, other, but I had never definitely, I definitely never done that before. And, um, you know, it took me, it took me a long time to figure, even after signing it up, it took me a long time to figure out the book, um, to kind of break the story. And I had signed on for two books and I got really, really lost with the second Zeta book. I, I was like, I, I hit a point where I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I should probably give back the advance and quit. <laughs> I was just completely lost. Uh, but again, um, with both those books, I got really good. I had those people I could call and say, like, I'm I'm stuck here. What do I do? Um, one I, with the Zeta, the space for the first Zeta book. I remember it was um, Keen Sue, um, who you know did Jellaby and all this. Yep. And and he was just he was great. And um, I showed him like the thumbnails for the book that I've been working on, and it had all this kind of preamble before they, you know, all about their lot. Uh, Zeta and Joseph, the two kid leads of this story yeah. you're getting all this information about him and and keen was like well i mean it's a space story right and yeah he's like i you should get him out to space like as soon as you can yeah. <laughs> it's like oh yeah you're right and so just like i i cut all the 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 pre-space stuff down to i don't know how many pages it is but it's like five five pages before they're out in their way yeah um and um that that changed everything for for that story um so yeah, so part of those those books were um, uh, the the, the contract. Having a contract itself is sort of like burning the bridge behind you. Um, so it's like if you would have quit, would guess what? You can't. Yeah. So you just have to find a way through it by going forward, and also having you know um, that community that I could call out to and say like, hey, I'm I'm really stuck. Can we talk about this? Okay. Yeah. That was that was super helpful. Um, and then from there, it was just like, uh, I don't know. My, my brain was hooked on, on, on story itself and, uh, kind of never looked back from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's always interesting to me, you know, sort of these two parallel paths that have developed, you know, the direct market periodical 22 page pamphlet that then gets collected into a book versus, doing a book from the jump yeah like they're, they're structurally they're very very different things yeah you know? um, i feel like tv and movies really right like yeah. the pamphlets are like oh i've signed on to do a season of this uh of this show yeah and then the season gets collected um and and then the, the the books feel a little bit more like okay we're shooting a movie here uh go yeah and you said that you hadn't done minis or anything like that. So you really were Yeah, not really. I had done yeah. those few those few flight stories and those were short. Um but yeah, I'd never I never had done the minis. Um so yeah, I didn't ha didn't have a ton of work uh to show. Yeah. Um but yeah, but it worked out. Yeah, no, that's cool. What were your what were you reading uh comics as a, as a kid, as a young adult? Hmm. What, what what would you say was the stuff that really touched you and and made you think I could do this I I could make yeah. a career out of this I mean like like well okay so 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 early on I I um <laughs> I'm old enough that I wanted to be a newspaper cartoonist mm. um I, and you know being from the Midwest um even if I wasn't like intellectually aware of it I think I was culturally aware of the fact that like towns had newspapers yeah. and you know the Billy Ireland Museum in in Columbus is 
sort of based on that idea that like like a town could have a cartoonist yeah you know for the newspaper yep. who who did maybe many many different design jobs but one of them might be to make that city's comics mm-hmm. um and that's that felt like a very um uh like turn of the century maybe interwar peace kind of time like mm. idea of prosperity like you could be a local cartoonist um, and so, of course, then growing up with Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield, uh, like so many people my age remember going to the Scholastic Book Fairs, getting the long uh, Garfield books, which were geniusly genius to print them in that long format, right? Yep. Like um, Calvin and Hobbes felt more like, they felt different. They felt more like books. I really liked the idea of those the strips collected the way uh, they did. Um, so that, that maybe was the beginning. And then... Um, and then again, being from Indiana, I wrote to Jim Davis at one point and he responded to my letter and I was like, wow. oh, this is a real guy. You know, like, like, like 12 year old Ben realized, hey, a real person makes Garfield and um, just a little seed in your brain. Maybe you could do that too. Uh, you know, then there's, then there's like ElfQuest. I was super, super into ElfQuest and that, that was the first like, like epic long form story. Um uh, read a lot of really uh, yeah, like all the '90s stuff, like like Todd McFarlane's run on Spider Man, uh, Rob I, Liefeld's Spider Man stuff, and then that, 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 that almost surprises me. Just '90s X Men. Yeah, looking at your work, I I don't see any of those influences at all. Well, that's uh, because of Jim Henson, really. Yeah. Um, and so the two other things that were going on at the time was, um, you know, I like I had a cousin who took me to see the Dark Crystal when I was like what five or something, and I remember we had to leave the theater because I was uh, scared. But I dreamed about the 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 Skeksis castle from the Dark Crystal, like it would pop up in my dreams for years and stuff afterwards. So um, that whole sense where where um, the the Jim Henson work and worlds uh, vacillate between dark and light. Um, really really climbed into my brain and then that plus like um like there were there were like our library had like collections of like barry barry windsor smith's uh work and and stuff like this so i I, like going through even the art collection we had a really good library system um and go being able to find some stuff like that in the library system i think um uh as much as i liked you know, um, Jim Lee's X-Men and stuff like this. Uh, those things got their hooks into me like more, I would think. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah, definitely that. And then just like, uh, just, I, I don't, I, I don't ever remember a time not being a nut for, for like the Italian Renaissance, uh, those, those guys. So that, that's always been part of my DNA. Um, yeah. A bit. So, yeah. Um, you, were you in a were you in a big a big city in a small town? What was your? Uh, it was Lafayette, Indiana. So it's okay. a, a, a a small city. Okay. And it's where Purdue University is. So oh. uh, so my dad worked in the campus planning uh, offices for Purdue as an architect. Yeah. Um, so having the university nearby was 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 really special. Um, I didn't realize it. I didn't think it was special at the time. <laughs> And it's also, it's not a, not very artsy school. It's an engineering school really. Uh, so, um, but, but it had a, I think it had a big effect on our family and, um, 
And uh, we were also part of the Society for Creative Anachronism for a few years. Um, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, everything dropped off here for a second. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, all, it's all good. I heard almost all of your answer, but, okay. but the, the video went away. It's all good. We're fine. Um, did uh, So, it, it, obviously, ElfQuest, Todd McFarlane, Spider-Man, you had to have a comic shop to to find those, yeah? Yeah. Um, we did. Um, I, it, yeah, uh, there were ElfQuest was at a, 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 a shop that was a mix of a used bookstore and a comics shop, which I would like, uh, like actually get on my like 80s style, like BMX bike and, um, uh, ride, ride up, pedal up to the comics shop blocks way. Like, like, like that's one of the things where I'm like, wow, times are really different because my parents just let me, let me ride off to some weird used bookshop in a strip mall miles away, um, pour through the, the stacks. And, um, Elfquest was also fun because I was picking up the Marvel reprints mm. and they would never have them all. Right. So I'd go from issue like 22 to issue 25. Yeah. And for years I'd be like, what happened between? Will I ever know? I don't know. <laughs> you know? Right, um, right. Because it was only me taking my my dollar and fifty cents up to the place and and looking for these these old comics. And then in high school there was a Castle Comics, which was just down the road from us, which I'd pop into from time to time. Um but that's more when like that run of like Nightwing was out. Um like that first run of Nightwing where like the first time they they came up with like, oh, he moves to Bloodhaven and gets an apartment and is a cool guy there. Um, I remember looking for those at that comics shop um, and it's still there. It's, it's, I'm, I'm really glad to see that. As, every oh, time nice. I visit my town, I, I pop, try to pop into Castle Comics again. Uh-huh. So very good. I love that. I love that. So let's, let's talk a little bit about things. Yeah. Um, where did it come from? How, what was, what was your motivation to pitch this particular book, especially coming off of Zeta? Yeah. Um, cause they, cause they couldn't be more different. They could not. Um, yeah, I was really drawn to an underworld story. It's hard for, it's like, it's hard for me to remember where this one's a little mysterious in the, in, in the, where it came from. Um, Milo. So I had two books out this year and, uh, one was things in the basement. The other was this Reynard the Fox book, which is a, a bit of a mix. It's a sort of an adult picture book. It's a mix yeah. of prose and and illustrations. And um, I had forgotten until almost until the books were coming out that Milo and Reynard had been together in a story before, hmm. which was really strange. But it's um, Comic Squad Detention. Uh, uh, an anthology put together by uh, Jarek Kozaska and he was like do you want to do this story yeah sure and I did this story where this kid Milo uh, was in detention and it kind of he kind of ends up going on this fantasy quest which is you're never sure if it's imaginary or real um, and along this quest he meets he meets um, very briefly meets up with this uh, with Reynard the Fox and Reynard teaches him some magic and then they part ways again. And I had just forgotten completely about that. I knew I wanted to do another story with Milo, but I had somehow forgotten that Reynard was also in, in that story. Um, and now those, those, they've kind of went separate ways in, in real life. And now both their books are, are there and separate, but otherwise, um, 
I just needed to channel uh, a lot of underworld story stuff uh, into into one place. And um, I don't know if I consciously was like, I'm going to write a book or just it, it feels like it sort of just grew in my sketchbooks. And um, and like I said, it was it is a bit like walking around in my brain. I was like uh, the house in the first opening page spread. Um, that's that's the house that uh, I, I grew up in and lived until I was like 13. That's the house from that I would pedal out from to go to the comic shop. Um, a lot of like like that basement, the basement stairs. Those are those same basement stairs, right? Like so, it's a lot of stuff from feels like a lot of stuff from my own life. Um, that just um, been reading a lot of I, 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 I really appreciating uh, Ursula Le Guin's carrier bag theory of fiction essay. Um, where she's asking the question, like, you know, there's this, like the this, this story structure of the hunt where you go out and you have this free thing and you bring back the, you know, um, or thinking of stories as a place to put things. Um, and this story felt more like a, a carrier bag story. Like, yeah. um, um, there's a narrative and there's a, like, 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 there's a journey down and a journey back up. And, um, but within that narrative, it felt like there was a place to put lots of different things that I was interested in. Um, a little bit more Alice in Wonderland like. Sure. Um, I think there's not um, nobody. There's no question about. You're not supposed to question like, oh, is this really happening? Is this not happening? But what about the time period that he's gone? Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. But it's hard to. Unlike a lot of stories, it's hard for me to like find out like where the the narrative came from yeah it's it's interesting to me that you that you set it in your your childhood house because it it from what you're describing of your relationship with your parents it's it's nothing like milo's relationship with his mom where right he, you yeah. know he, he feels alone and he's trying to find something it doesn't yeah. sound like that was something that you went through at all um, no 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 not so much not so much yeah and um, so, and so, where do you think those elements came from? Well, okay, maybe I say not so much, but I do feel like uh, I guess I do feel a kinship with Milo and like in a little bit of the the. So I had just two younger sisters, mm -hmm. um, which was delightful and everything. But but I do think like I was kind of a solitary wanderer uh, mm -hmm. for. Oh, I, I really liked that. I liked um, you know exploring exploring the old house or exploring wherever I was and not, not really running with a pack as much. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of worked. Um, yeah. yeah. Was it that you wanted just to do something very different than Zeta? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, um, there's a certain, there's a certain kind of, because uh, there's Zeta and then there's the Mighty Jack books yep. and then there's the big crossover and, yep. and, and and you know um those are very high adventure yep um and you know doing so that yeah all together like six of those was um was a lot and I mean I like it's hard get, getting letters from kids asking, you know, is there going to be another Zeta book? Is there going to be another Jack book? Because I think like, like, um, I definitely did want to want or, or do continue to want to take a step back from that kind of story. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say the things in the basement began 
conceptually began life as as a bit of a um a follow-up to little robot which was mm. um which felt um a little bit more personal and it also was but it's so much thinner and um or so much shorter but i wanted to do, I, I wanted to try again to do something that was in the space um where let's see very beginning readers could read this book without words at all and then the words would add another layer it really struck me when my um my eldest daughter who was when she was learning to read um uh, she got a hold of our calvin and hobbes books and it just really clicked with me when she that the, clicked with me that she first would tell us the funny things Calvin did and then later started to tell us the funny things Calvin said and it right. was like oh she's reading these visually first mm-hmm. and then the you know the words but Calvin can be a little wordy and uh, I wanted to do like so little robot was thought of as something where you could read the whole thing without the words at all yeah uh, this did not work out that way it got bigger in the telling which was mm-hmm. fine and great um and and it was it allowed itself to be um something bigger and maybe a little stranger and um so so it, it's very much where my um creative juices were drawn to then and and yeah, I, I, like I, try, I think I'm just trying to travel further afield, <laughs> uh, see what can be done. Um, that's why, like the Reynard book, also was that was a product of. Well, that was that was also kind of my um, uh, what would I call the uh, uh, pandemic project in a way because mm. I was mm. posting those um, live to Instagram for a while, which was which was fun, a good experience. Uh, but that's also that was another one where it was like. It felt very conversation with my selfie. Yeah. Um, so both these works, I think, have that in common. Where um, um, you, you're always you're always telling with the audience. You know, it's always this relationship between you and the audience. But like in, in these two books, uh, the storytelling itself just felt a lot like um, kind of hold, holding examination, holding like uh, like. Um, is like it's not an allegory of my life it's just like, like just holding a lot of that at bay and letting a lot of the imagery and the ideas just kind of seep in yeah. um and letting the characters like renard um lurked around in my sketchbooks for a couple of years before he had a story right um and that's felt like an interesting part of the process like mm. letting things show up in your sketchbook and um you know, like it feels, it feels very mystical to say that, like, t- that you're letting the characters tell you the story, or that there's something else guiding you. But it's not. It's really just like, like keeping it subconscious for long enough because sure. your brain's going to be ticking over these things. And sometimes a longer. I've been. I don't know. It's not. It's not prescriptive. I'm, but but for me personally, I've been noticing that the longer that I'm getting a lot out of letting things percolate subconsciously for a longer period of time uh, before I start working with on them consciously. Right. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. So as a, as an author, who's got seven, eight books, whatever it is, all have been relatively successful. Um, I mean, I would say Zeta is actually kind of huge. What's the pitching like for a new book? 
Um, do you, <laughs> no, I mean, but what I mean is, is do you have to put together the same kind of formal proposal that you would have made for Jack or for Zeta back in the day? Or, or do your publishers and editors know you and trust you that you just have to give them kind of a log line? A uh, <laughs> uh, little, 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 I think it depends on how far afield the book is. Um, uh, the, the books, uh, um, the two books that I'm pitching right now um, are enough of a diversion from um, things in the basement pitch was not very big uh, or it was not very ex- extensive, right? It was like, uh, here's, here's some char- here are the characters. Here's my idea for the story. Uh, that there it is right here. Here's a couple pieces of art. Um, I don't think there were no finished pages in that pitch. Yeah. Uh, little robot was similar, except I had done all these little robot comic strips, just like one is one of the last, well, it sprang just from do, like doing these to blow off steam when I was juggling lots of different projects, I'd be like, I'm drawing a little robot comic now, rah, 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 and putting them online and letting people like they were, they were me getting back to comic strip kind of format or ideas. So I had those. So I had the little robot kind of there, but, but really that, that, that pitch also was, was very light. Um, so if it's something like that, yeah, I, 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 there's not a ton to it. Uh, but the ones I'm, I think I'm, I'm giving more now for the next couple books because they are, uh, because I'm wandering away a little bit or, you know, like I'm wandering a little further out uh, and they're, they're, they're different enough um, conceptually. One of them is, is even, is more or less nonfiction. Um, so, so I, yeah, in that case, I'm, I'm having to, to explain a little more um, what I'm up to. And it's like, it's also because like, um, so I did a, uh, the, another thing I did this past year was a very short, uh, Hawkeye story for a Marvel anthology, mm. um, which just, just came out a couple of days ago. I think it finally came out. It's called Marvel super stories. And it's, uh, they let a bunch of like, um, people with kid lit reputations, um, uh, just do their take on a character. And the, the, the instruction was like, it's six pages and you want to kind of get to the heart of what this character is about. Sure. And my agent uh, was like, they, they, they were asking about this. Do you want to do it? And I was like, if it's Hawkeye, yes. If I could do Hawkeye, yes. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not interested. And she was like, and it's like, I was laughing because nobody nobody else wants to really do Hawkeye. It's like the archers. Um, why did I bring that up? Um, boy, why did I? Why did I go on that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was just in a- I was I was being entertained by you. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I was on pitching. <laughs> I was on pitching. Um, boy, I I forget. Oh, I know what it, why it was. Working with a different set of people, right? Like, so yeah. pitching. How much do I need to give them? I really have, do. Have, you know, it is like it's like thirteen books, and and they've all been McMillan first, mostly first, second. Yeah. Right? Um. And I realized in doing this other book, this was um, like Abrams doing the, this Marvel stuff. Uh, I was working with all these editors. I've never talked to them before. And um, I just realized that uh, the, the the extent to which I've worked with some of the same people for so long that I have all like, 
like a shorthand or like how much I, I have stopped saying uh, because it's like, you know what I'm yes. you know you already know yeah. and then these people like like I'd be like oh I actually have to explain what I'm thinking you know like I actually have to say it <laughs> yeah and so, so so does that does that mean that your pitch for this Hawkeye story was longer than your pitch for things no it was just more more along the lines of like my thumbnails would be really rough and mm. um I just little bits of communication where I would realize that, like, I would say that to my editor, my regular editor, and she'd be like, oh, I know what Ben means. And, um, and with the Hawkeye thing, like, just, you know, like, well, yeah, I did. I tightened up the thumbnails more so they'd be legible and, and, right. and stuff like right. this, uh, stuff like that. And so, so that's the other thing of pitching, like, since I'm, um, since I've mostly been in the same, you know, with the same crew, um, I think, like in that sense, I'm a known quantity, uh, sure, for them. Uh, but which but was again, kind of what my original question was kind of trying to get at, was yeah. in terms of right the structure of pitches, because you know, some, a lot of the people I talk to, particularly for the kids club, are brand new authors, sure, who are fresh out of, uh, you know, their their MBA program or whatever, yeah. or MFA, I guess. Uh, program and this is like the first thing they've done you know and so it's a very different pitch i think than someone yeah. who's a shall we say a veteran um yeah. you know who's 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 got a longer thing i'm i'm always curious about going from that pitch where you've got let's call it four or five pages maybe of sort of here's here's the the structure of it um to a 225 page book yeah like what's what's the steps for you? Because one of the things I, I love about comics is that almost everybody has a different method of working. Yeah. Some people script it out all the way through. Some people literally just start drawing and sees what happens. So mm -hmm. where are you kind of in that in that creative spectrum? So that's a good that's a that's a good one. I um I I do an outline and I call it an outline. But it is sort of like I ex I it's sort of like a written document of me. It's as if I have seen a movie and am telling you not about the movie, but telling you everything that happened in the movie. Like, yeah. but it could be like, oh, and then the character went down this, you know, hill, and the at the bottom of the hill there was a troll, and then the troll said this. But you know, it doesn't have to be. It's not a script in terms of troll. Yeah. Dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Yeah. The troll said it was going to, you know, stomp on this character unless the character went to get it. This goose. Mm -hmm. um, and I will just kind of describe every every bit of the thing, and then um, then I'll go back through that and and just eyeball how many pages this mm. roughly broke up in the scenes, right? Yep. Like this in this scene, it's about, it's about, and then I'll roughly eyeball that and be like, okay, that's that's five pages. That's eight pages that's this one's 10 pages 10 to 15 or maybe i'll write and then i'll add all that up and get a sense of how long that book is there um then i'll just like i will fine-tune that document um a lot but no no written dialogue mm -hmm. uh, or very little written dialogue only like key moments um but but maybe the description of a conversation that happens uh and then so that's so this is like real production time. So then that's um that's a document that's sort of a living document that's that 
it's looked at, rewritten, uh, fine-tuned. At the same time, I'll have a notebook uh, or a sketchbook, really. And that's where like a lot of visual development's going on. Um, you draw cre- creatures over and over, draw characters over and over um, until you look at the character and you're like, oh, that's that, that there they are. I found yeah. it. And at that point, those two things sort of come together. And that's when, it, when it's thumbnail time. Yeah. Uh, so in, in those two pre-thumbnail stages, is this mostly for you or is your editor involved in this at all? Are you showing oh. this to other people? Are you showing it to your wife or your kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good one. I'll tell the story to um, I'll tell the story to my family. Mm-hmm. Um, there, my my famous story about that would be the third Zeta book. I came in and I was like, okay, I've got the story. And I started telling it to them. <laughs> and uh, we were going to make like pizzas that night. Like, holy, is pizza making night? Oh, great. And everybody wanted to not, you know, not dig into the pizzas until I, like, they were like, no, 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 finish, finish. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that was my my sort of key that I I, I broke the story. Uh, but with the document, like, I will, I will tell it to my editor. We'll kind of go through it. Um, but really the main one is, um, thumbnails. Yeah. Like I, I, I keep, I keep Callista pretty much up to date on, on where the story is, what else going on. Um, but once, once it like sitting down and doing the thumbnails, that feels like, that feels like writing the draft that yeah. when you get done with that, then I either scan or just snap pictures of all the thumbnails. And the thumbnails are like very small, um, let me think, show you uh, thumbnail pages, like just on copy paper. Okay. And, and they would go like, uh, just do this really fast. So thumbnails would look like this. I start there that I draw the same box every time. And then I'll put like, okay, this is page 23 and 24, 23 and 24. Yeah. And then I will just draw the, okay, this will go like that. And, and then these will be full of, uh, pictures that are not much more complicated than this. I mean, they'll have figures on them and stuff, right? And then uh, I'll just do this. Then along the side, we'll have the um, dialogue, the dialogue that corresponds with the corresponding panel. Sure. And sure. then I will just kind of scan this part and uh-huh. then put that into a PDF. And then I... um send that to my editor and it's completely unreadable. So we can get on a long phone call and um, I, you know, we go through each page and I'm like, and this panel you can see, well, we're looking down from above and if so, so and this character says such and such. Yeah. Okay. Now next panel. And then I ch- basically just tell her the story and then we chat about it and she's usually got some good feedback. And also just in the telling, you can see things. Um, clean up the thumbnails and then it feels like it's done at that point. Yeah. Feels like the story's done and which makes um which makes doing the finished pages um uh a really wonderful exercise of of illustration. Yeah. Where you, you're you're less emotionally fraught. Yeah, sure. And you can actually like I that at that point you can put on podcasts, you can listen to loud music, you can um just sort of let yourself go and it's it's more of a physical challenge than 
you know, how many pages can I get done a day? Can I actually do this? Uh, you, 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 you did those really, really fast for us. So I may have this a little wrong, but it sounds to me as though you're in the thumbnail stage. You're worrying more about pacing yeah. than about gesture. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Um, pacing, gesture, camera angles. Okay. Um, all of that, like the, just how it reads. Mm -hmm. um, uh, first panel on the left hand side, last panel on the right hand side of the the page. What keeps you turn the pages? Mm. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about the page turn and yeah, the thing about page turns. Yeah, uh, yeah, pacing is a big one. Like panel, 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 panel. Turn the page. Big spreads. All this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's where you're designing it, sort of as a as a book. Um, and are these are are those decisions? still active decisions for you or have you internalized it enough at this point that Ooh. you just kind of naturally know what a, where to put the page turn in and like you don't have to think about it as much if that makes sense as a question yeah that does uh i think um like yes i've done it enough that i think less about it but also therein lies a danger of falling into um uh patterns um, and it, and then it get, it making it boring for both yourself and your reader. Um, right. So I, I, that's an, again a thing you have to break out of. Uh, there's this um, there's this uh, idea in in painting um, that kind of shines a light on because you get into patterns of thought, you get into patterns of seeing, like you, like all of, so much of life seems to be like like acknowledging how much like. Uh, how much you, you coast and like visually like and everything you're doing. Right. And so sometimes when, when we were painting, you know, you're doing this figure painting, you're actually um, you've got your model and your, your canvas set up and you're really trying to transfer this image over and you think it looks right. And then you, one of the tools in, you know, you've got your palette and your paints and everything. One of your tools is a little hand mirror yeah. and you look in the mirror and you see the whole, everything you've been doing in reverse yeah. compared to the model. Also, you also see the model in the mirror reverse and you're like, oh my gosh, so many, so many janky parts of this. So many places right. where it's, it's, it's not what I thought I was seeing. And it's because your, your eyes just correcting it for you. Sure. Like your, your brain just makes, makes corrections and takes shortcuts just for you. Um, you just don't realize it's happening. And so, so I think a lot of that happens in, even in thumbnailing, if you've done it like, 10 times or whatever you're like oh you, you, your character says what and that makes you want to turn the page it, no it like it can be more interesting you know so 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 yeah so there's a good and bad side to um to to having uh, done it many times yeah if you had to guess at how long the thumbnailing of things took what would it be <laughs> i have no idea yeah <laughs> It's hard. That's to why say. I said a guess. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, I'm going to say less than most books. I'm going to say a month, wow. six weeks. I'm going to say six wow. Weeks. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Does that seem long or does that seem short? No, that seems really short to me, actually. Okay. Because because uh, uh, six weeks, 225 pages. I mean, you're doing. 10 or 12 pages a day in thumbnails then at that point. Yeah. 10, pages a, day would, much, but, 10 pages a day would be good. Yeah. Yeah. 10 yeah. pages a day would be nice. I would like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because uh, I, I definitely talk to people who are like, yeah, no, I, I thumbnail maybe two pages a day. Okay. <laughs> but they're probably really beautiful thumbnails. Like, my yeah, thumbnails yeah, yeah. Like, right. Well, that's, but that's always the difference, right? Because some people do really incredibly detailed thumbnails. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen, say, Jeffrey Brown's thumbnails. I no, think no. He, he, you could shoot from them. You could, sure. you could just blow them up and it would be a comic. Yeah. And then he yeah. redraws it again. It's kind of crazy to me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've gotten on, um, I've gone on group calls where we're going over, um, you know, really well-known uh, comics artists' work uh, in thumbnail stage to just like chat about it and stuff like yeah. that. And I'm always like, "Oh, this is really readable. <laughs> this yeah. is great." And and I'm just like, I just can't be bothered um, to make it anywhere. Like when I'm doing them, I'm like doing them so that they will be readable to me. Yep. And the bare minimum of readability to me, right? Yep. Uh, and then secondarily for my editor, who's worked with me long enough that I can walk her through it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, like a speed, speed, speed in the thumbnail stage is good because it also keeps you moving. It also keeps you keeps you moving sure. the camera. Like it really does feel like movie stuff. It, like okay, keep moving the camera. Let's do. Let's go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. and then, when you start on the pencils, what's your production rate like there? Um, let's see. I shoot for I think um, so, like the Zeta and the Jack books, probably like four pages a day of inks, wow. pencils and inks. Wow, wow. Yeah, there's they, they seem a little sketchy to me now. Like I, I, I want to be able to slow down. Uh -huh. uh, I just I have this like. Um, uh, part of it's a compulsion to keep working, but part of it's also just like the the idea that like, hey, I got a family. Yeah, <laughs> Let's yeah. get this book going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, but uh, I, I would like to take longer. I would like to force myself to take longer on an individual pages and make them, make them a little uh, nicer. No, I'm, just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, happy with... It's like nearly Jack Kirby speed. So, you know, <laughs> it, 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 in my mind, that's like, wow, you're just booming them out there, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and things in the basement I'm happy with because so the... Um, like like the like the Jack of the Zeta books are just like... Um, the, the original art feels a little bit um, chintzy to me uh, the, mm. uh, because it's on laser printer paper. So it's like... Uh, but, but this was the first book I did on... Um, on bristol board and mm -hmm. and the instead of inks it was uh a, like ebony pencil yeah um, shades and that that was really fun and that feels like i've got a little bit something more substantially artistic at the end of it yeah because um, i've been one of the things that's been really rewarding about doing um the picture books like the julius house books and nobody likes a goblin uh those are ink and watercolor yeah and so the final art like well it's like like this like right like that yeah, that's a that's a spread from Julia's house, and it's um and and like and like that one up there is, mm -hmm. and so um, and those were just like I'm very proud because those were just like straight scanned, uh, and that's that's what's in the book, like yeah. no no digital correcting or anything yeah. like that. So. so so um, and I I know we're really rapid rapidly yep. running out of time here. Um, you do you do the pencils. Are, are you inking at the same time or are you uh, handing these pages over to Zach to do the coloring? Oh, um, so no. So, so 
think the basement is just pencil. It's like okay. ink, this, ink this pencil. I don't know. I, okay. I don't know if I did any, how much underdrawing I did. For uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. Uh, but then for the, um, for the Zeta and Jack books, um, yeah, I'll do pencils and inks all in a go. Like I'll yeah. do, like, I just like make a page. So lay out the page. You do the, um, like now I use a, like a colored pencil for the under underneath lines, ink over that, uh, that page is done and the, yeah. uh, and the next one. So okay. yeah, some people would, I, I would lose track if I penciled and then inked, I would. Sure. I like to, I well, like to go straight from the pencil. You know, next, next week I'm talking to Dan Klaus and Dan Klaus does like a 300 page book and he goes through and he pencils the entire thing. Whoa. He letters the entire thing. He inks the entire thing from page one to page last in Incredible. order. Which, wow. which I like, I don't understand. I mean, my yeah. brain cannot process how that's done. No, um, but it works for him, right? Like, you yeah. know that, and that's sort of the beauty about comics. Um, so you're in on things you were only doing pencils, then handing it to Zach. <laughs> did you, did you give him notes on each page what you wanted him to do? Or did you just go, yeah, man, it, it's all yours. Um, we talked very generally about how the colors would go. Um, he kind of came up with the shifting monochrome idea. Um, we're really good buddies. So um, I was mostly like, Zach, just just go for it. Yeah. And we also both like um, uh, some of the old German expressionist silent films where uh, that's where one of the partly where the shifting monochrome idea came from. Right. Because they would it's a black and white movie, but they would put. Um, just a minute, Z. Uh, they would put those different um color colored lenses over it. Yeah. So maybe one scene would be like bluish, and one scene would be pink. Um, so kind of make it a little bit look like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I was I was just like, go for it, Zach, and and I feel like he knocked it out of the park. Nice. And and when when he um when he turned the pages in, were there did you have notes or were you just like, no, nah, this is this is great the way that it is. I feel like there was just, there were just a few places where because um, once we we did a few we did a round of like test pages yeah yeah sure and that was more like oh no like this character is always more more shifting towards this color this is the color of this guy's shirt even though the even if the whole lighting changes and all this stuff um, but for the most part I feel like there I feel like the 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 notes I gave him I think at the end were were super minimal mm-hmm. um, and yeah so that was an pretty easy process on my end yeah nice um all right well let's let's wrap this up i have a couple of questions that i a pair of questions that i always ask at the end mm. one of them is 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 there anything else you want to plug um yeah. obviously you know renard is is also out can you talk about your next couple of books after that or are you still too early in the in the contract oh, process to be able probably to too early in the car process to talk yeah. about that uh, i will say two things um one i have a, a picture book uh, which is the first piece of um, pr- first prose thing I've done for somebody else to illustrate. So this nice. is a picture book that will be illustrated by Landis Blair. Um, it's about a little caterpillar okay. uh, and that's coming out. That's coming out and I got bumped to 25. So it's that's still ways off, but uh-huh. it's, it's being illustrated now. So that's exciting. Um, and then the next thing, uh, one of the things I'm working on, Oh, I should hardly even talk about it. You yeah, know, if you uh, can't, it's fine. I just, I always like yeah. giving people an opportunity to plug future things. If they- I would say I, the, one of the things I'm working on now is a young adult uh, period fantasy, uh, period fantasy 
with notes of horror and romance. Oh, nice. So that'll be, that's very that's nice. to sink my teeth into. Very, very nice. Do you, um, do you think you're going to go back to Milo and, and do what you sort of threaten at the end of the book, things in the attic? In the attic. I uh, got a lot of notes for things in the attic. Uh-huh. Um, kid asked that question the other day. And I, I, I did tell uh, this, this young one that I think uh, in my notes for things in the attic at this point, it's actually Milo's twin siblings who are a little older, uh, Leo and Lucy, who are, uh-huh. be going up into the attic. Interesting. Uh, All right, but we'll see. I don't know. It may go, but it may be Milo again because I like him so much. He's a good. Do you? Guy. I mean, do you think that you could eventually do things in the garage, things <laughs> in the shed? Time will tell. Uh huh. <laughs> but it does. It does feel like there's there's a lot of room there. It does. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Yeah, very good. Um, all right. So, and then, and then, as the wrap-up question, um, again, this is the, the one that I ask absolutely everyone. As as we've talked about, this is a, a series of of interviews with cartoonists. We've got something close to three hundred interviews up at this point. Um, and so, a lot of people watch this who want to make comics themselves, and who don't necessarily know how to start, what to do. So I always like asking, what is the piece of advice that you would give to someone who wants to make comics, but is unsure of themselves and their ability to do it? This can be a physical, practical thing. This can be a spiritual thing. This can be an emotional thing. But what would be the, the piece of advice that you would give to someone who, who, who is interested in doing this, but just doesn't know what to do next? Um, I would say my, my, my thing... There's so many bits of advice that you could give, right? So many bits of advice. But I have two things on the, my desk that I can show uh, that I think uh, is one of the things I tell. And this is not comic-centric as much as it is uh, creative practice uh, in general, right? Here are two six sketchbooks on my desk. One is uh, Strathmore 120-sheet uh, recycled paper sketchbook. Uh, the other is one of these pretty... A glittery paper blank um, sketchbooks that you find in 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 the nice sections of bookstores. Uh, buy this one. Is my is my is my note for everyone. Once in a while, I get one of these, and I always feel not one of these specifically, but a pretty sketchbook, and you feel that everything in it has to look good. Yeah, and yeah. that's a bad. That's not good because then you won't fill it up. What a sketchbook is for, in my philosophy, is uh, it's cheap material that that you don't have to feel precious about, like scribbly drawings, uh-huh. and it is to catch ideas as they fall out of your brain. And so that will get you in a practice of doing, filling the sketchbooks, doing it every day. Um, and that's that will invariably tick that needle of, of art forward, um, much better than having... Um, having the fancy one and fe- like this is something you can buy and as you carry it outside of, out the store you feel like an artist sure right this is something you could spend a lot less money on and get a lot more paper and be an artist right i got you i love it i think i think that's i think that's really great ben i want to um i want to thank you for for taking the time and talking to us i wish we had another yeah, this was fun. Because, this was fun because I, I feel like I feel like we're just getting started here. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, and it, when I looked at the clock and I'm like, oh, the hour's up. I, I'm yeah. like, wow. 
how is he out? And then this is like 10 minutes. We've only talked for 10 minutes. So, well, next time. Next time. We'll do it with your next book. Um, yeah. Uh, let me, I got a couple of, of bits of business to do here. Stick just for one second till the end of the show. Ben, put me on a one, please. Hey, you are sitting at home, you person, uh, and you want something to read. And especially now that it's Halloween, spooky season, you want something, you want some some good spooky comic that that's smart and that is heart and is entertaining. Things in the basement. You cannot go wrong with this. Uh, Ben's Ben's a great cartoonist. You're, you're going to love this. This is great, great stuff. So you do that, okay? Um, shows coming up. Next week, as I mentioned a couple times here, we've got Dan Klaus coming in from Monica. Dan is actually here live in person in the store, and we will have a studio audience, and it's going to be very cool. Um, so that's next Sunday. Um, and then next month's kids' book for all you kids at home so you get your early warning will be Shelly Frankenstein, Cow Piggy. So it's it's also a Halloween book, and I know we're in November, but you're, you're getting it the first week of November, so it's pretty close to Halloween. So keep a lookout for that. I want to give a couple of thanks. I want to thank, um, I want to thank Jordan, my producer, for doing a bunch of backstage stuff that no one else sees. I want to thank Ben for running the show, doing the camera, all that great stuff. I want to thank my wonderful staff, uh, Zoe, Kat, and Katie, um, because them being my staff and taking care of the store means I get to interview cartoonists. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I want to thank every member of the club for being a member of the club. And I especially, especially want to thank cartoonists because if it wasn't for you, I couldn't do this. I wouldn't own a comic book store if people like Ben weren't making, making comics. And there's Ben right there. Ben, thank you for making comics. Thank you for making this book. And uh, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Thank you uh, for having me. This was delightful. Yeah. If you're ever in San Francisco, let me know. I'll... Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah, we should we should do something. We've, in fact, to go back to something we were talking about earlier, or you mentioned earlier, we have a whole bathroom where all the cartoonists <laughs> who have come into the store have yeah. drawn and added to the story. So um, we, we'd love you to come and do that too. So uh, yeah, let me know if you're ever, comments. ever in the area. Okay, man? Will do. Will okay. do. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everybody out there. We will see you next month. Well, next week and next month.